Yes, yes. Omega Watts in the house. Now let me set the table. Now, now, now let me set the table. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you could make it. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you could make it. Any questions to ask myself? Table, fam. Man, I am so glad to be with you today. If I have not had a chance to meet you, my name is Isaac, and I'm the young adult pastor here and a part of the leadership team here. I'm at the table along with many others that you've met already. And tonight, as they said, we are talking about the Holy Spirit, which I am so excited to be able to talk about it. I've been like waiting. I've had this day on my calendar uh, for, for a while now to be able to talk with you guys about it. Um, and now, as I say that, uh, my suspicion is there's a few different responses in the room, knowing that that's the topic for today. For some, you're like, yes, finally. Finally, we finally get to talk about this. It's way, finally, let, awake these dry bones. It's time. Let's go, right? And if you like the Holy Spirit, you got that joke. If you did not, then you didn't. Okay. Uh, some of you are, oof, 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 right? Maybe even like your arms got a little tighter. You just got into your chair a little bit. Like, what's going on? Something crazy going to happen tonight? Oof, I don't know about this, right? Which is appropriate for the topic. Um, and for some, maybe you're a new Christian and you've never really considered the Holy Spirit. You've never really had a conversation around the Holy Spirit. So tonight, maybe your first time to kind of think through what it's like in a helpful way to think through the Holy Spirit. Um, my aim my aim uh, for tonight is that all of us leave here with a very clear understanding about the Holy Spirit and asking um, these two or, and asking these two questions: um, uh, who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does. So that's my aim: is that we just have a really clear understanding. So um, I mentioned this before. If you've been coming to the table for a while, you know this about me: is I grew up charismatic and Pentecostal, right? So which is like the most um, excited, kind of big form of Holy Spirit, kind of appreciation, Holy Spirit focus that there is. Um, so this word charismatic, we use it a lot. Um, and really what the word means at, it, at its essence um, in the Greek is charis means grace. And mata means gift. So when you put those two words together, uh, grace and gift, then it's um, charismatic is somebody that really likes and seeks after these gifts of grace, these gifts of the Holy Spirit. Why do charismatics go after these gifts of the Holy Spirit? Um, it's because the assumption is, is that where the gifts of the Holy Spirit are present, there the Holy Spirit is present. So charismatics are very pro, high, heavy um, uh, Holy Spirit and want the gifts, and specifically three. There are three gifts of the Holy Spirit that charismatics really seek after, right? One of them is speaking in tongues. Another one is divine healing, and another one is prophecy, right? So if you grew up charismatic, you know that that's like the big, like that's like you got like the big trio there. If you can, in one service, you can get somebody healed, get somebody speaking in tongues, and have a prophetic word, you had a good night, right? So this is my normal, in Pentecostal as well, Pentecostal just puts a little more emphasis on tongues. Um, so this is how I grew up. So if you've never gone to a charismatic experience, there's no like one size fits all. There's not like one charismatic is like another one. It's a pretty broad spectrum. Um, but there are a few kind of unifying things. First of all, the music is incredible. It's so good, right? Like you can hear the band jamming from the parking lot at a charismatic church, right? Like you come and you just hear the band like, oof. This is going to be a good one. Whereas uh, places that don't put a heavy emphasis on charismatic, the music is meh. It's a lot of just old guys singing, and it's not that great. Um, charismatic is like really good music, typically. And you walk in, and typically people are dancing and shouting and singing, and it goes on for an hour. 
or two or three, right? Um, and then you have somebody come up and they just give a really passionate word, right? A word from the Lord and talk a lot about don't be a sinner and let, let's pray for the Holy Spirit to come in and fill us. It's typically the message most weeks. And then you get to the end. And what happens at the end is there's this thing called the altar call, right? So the altar call is where people come down. Like, so if we had an altar call tonight, we are not. But if we had an altar call tonight, what happened is at the end, I would ask everybody to come down, not just for salvation, but like literally for anything. There's like a lot of reasons for healing, for a prophetic word, for speaking in tongues. Like typically at the end of the service, again, for an hour, like people are just filling here. And, this, and with the more charismatic, like the heavy charismatic, what will happen is um, the preacher will then start doing ministry, which that he'll literally get off, or she will get off the platform and will start pushing on foreheads to have what's called being slain in the spirit. So being slain in the spirit is um, what charismatics would describe as this, like, this all-consuming power that you just feel so consumed by the Holy Spirit that you just have to like fall back, right? So there was one particular service, so I grew up in this. So there's one particular service to where um, the, there was a traveling evangelist um, that came in, and he was doing, kind of preached, and then did ministry, and then called everybody up to the front. And I'm like, I'm not a bad Christian. I'm going up to the front. Because if you don't go up to the front, you're judged by everybody else, right? So it doesn't matter how you're feeling in that day. Like, you go up to the front so you don't feel judged. So I grew up, I'm probably 10, 11 years old. My younger cousin is with me, and we just know the drill, Right? To be honest, I wasn't feeling anything that day. But the guy came up, called me, pushed on my forehead. I go down. I count to 200 because that's the appropriate amount of time. <laughs> 100 is a little too short. You didn't get the full Holy Spirit effect. But 200 is good. Then, then I get up, and then I'm good, right? So, so we, we, both of us go down. We get up. Then we, we sit back down. And, and then the, the guy that was ministering um, wanted to do a divine healing, and he called me out. I'm wearing glasses, and he wants to heal me of my eyesight, right? So, um, so he gets, so he calls me out, you know, then he takes my glasses, and I'm like, I kind of need those, buddy. Um, so he has my glasses, and then he, you know, puts his hands on my head, and then he's like, how long have you been blind? I was like, I don't, that's a bit strong, I don't know if I'm blind. <laughs> and I was like, oh, a few years, he's like, okay, we're gonna, and he's saying this in Spanish, but I'm translating for you guys. Um, I'm gonna pray for healing, and I was like, one, that'd be incredible if it happened, but Again, I'm, I'm doubtful. So he, he prays for healing for me, takes my glasses, goes across the room, takes out something out of his pocket. He's like, what is this? I'm like squinting, but I don't want to shame him, so I'm not trying to squint too hard. I'm like, uh, uh, my cousin's sitting in the front row. He goes, Isaac, it's a quarter. It's a quarter. <laughs> so I go, uh, quarter? And he's like, it's a miracle! And everyone claps. That was my experience with growing up, charismatic, growing up in a Pentecostal tradition, right? And now I say that as I was growing up, I felt so much tension because clearly there were some things that were just performance. And, but there were other things. I'm just going to be honest with you guys. I had really meaningful experiences um, in, in large groups. I had really meaningful experiences completely by myself where I just felt so consumed with God where I'm just crying and crying and I just don't want that moment to end. So as I'm leaving that um, as I'm, after growing up and I go off to college, I'm trying to discern what's real and what's not real. I can't deny these experiences that I've had. But man, also, there was a lot of stuff. Like, I was scared to invite my friends to church because I didn't know if it was going to be that crazy, like, Pentecostal service that was going to last for five hours, right? And if you grew up charismatic, you, you definitely can relate, my, my assumption, right? So um, 
the question that I had was how, just how do I, when I got to college and I went to a Baptist school where like nobody talked about the Holy Spirit ever, I was in a class to where the professor asked if anybody had spoken in tongues before or had heard anybody speak in tongues, and I'm like, I'm not dare raising my hand because nobody else did. There's like a class of 60 people and I don't want to be like Pentecostal shamed for my upbringing. So the question that I want to, ha- what I want to ask today is what does Jesus have to say about the Holy Spirit? What does Jesus have to say about the Holy Spirit? So this summer, we've been going through the Gospel of John, and we've talked about a lot of different things, just tracking the life of Jesus, both the things that he did, also the words that he spoke, and where we are right now, we are right before um, Jesus is about to get arrested and crucified and die to be resurrected to new life later. Spoiler, right? So we're we're right before that moment. So Jesus is giving his final words, um, and as part of the final words, he talks about the Holy Spirit extensively to his disciples. So we're going to ask these three questions tonight. We're going to ask, who is the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit do? And how do we respond? So who's the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit do? And how do we respond? So we're going to jump straight into the text here in John 14. If you have your Bibles, John 14, um, 16 through 17. We'll start there, and then we're going to jump to John 16. But John 14, where Jesus is saying, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Right? So to set up the context, Jesus is basically saying, um, I'm going to go away. I'm going away to be with the Father. Right? He knows he's about to die. He knows he's about to go away. Jesus also knows that his disciples were idiots and they needed a lot of help. And can we relate to that? Like, we are idiots and we just need some help, right? But imagine Jesus literally being with Jesus himself. And then imagine Jesus is going away. How would your response be? Like, no, 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 Jesus, no, no, no. Like, look, we need help. We know we need help. And Jesus is like, I know you guys need help, right? So I'm going to send another helper. I've been helping you for a while, and now I'm going to send somebody else who's going to help you. And this helper is the Holy Spirit, who's going to be with us forever. So to answer our first question, who is the Holy Spirit? Okay, the Holy Spirit is a person. It's not a physical human body person like we would naturally think of, but the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is not this impersonal force. Um, The Holy Spirit is not some abstract concept. The Holy Spirit is a person, right? The Bible describes the Holy Spirit as somebody with emotions, as somebody with a mind, as someone with a will. So the Holy Spirit is a person. Um, Secondly, the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is the third member of the Trinity, right? Sometimes uh, we like to deny the Holy Spirit by thinking through our Christian experiences like Father, Son, Holy Bible, right? But the Holy Spirit is the third member of the Trinity. So he has all the same attributes as God. He is fully divine as God. God is three in one. God is Father, God is Son, and God is Holy Spirit, right? Um, So sometimes we like to think of um, the Spirit like we get really clear with the Father, right? Like, we know the Father's in charge. Like, in most homes, Dad's in charge, right? Similar to Christianity, the Father's in charge. Um, the Son, we also get that because the Son came down from heaven to earth incarnate. We've been talking, it's Jesus. We've been talking about Jesus for weeks now. For um, Hopefully, every single week we talk about Jesus. Um, and then the Holy Spirit is this third member of the Trinity. But like a family, sometimes we think about him as the crazy uncle. And we just hope he doesn't get too out of hand. We can kind of contain him. Ooh, like, ooh, oh, no, the Holy, Holy Spirit showed up. Who invited Holy Spirit? Is he invited? I don't know. He always causes trouble. All right, let's just put Holy Spirit over there. Um, I want us to have, a, again, a really clear framework on who the Holy Spirit 
Yeah, so we got um, this question, actually. Um, this week we posted some Instagram questions, or Instagram posts for you guys to be able to ask questions. Um, so we got a question, so we're going to answer this one. What's the difference between the Holy Spirit, the Force, and our conscience? All right. So I'll start with the Force. Uh, any Star Wars fans? Okay. So the Force, I could go, like, real nerdy, but if I try to, then I'm just going to embarrass myself to true Star Wars fans. Um, so the Force has something to do with Jedis and larks, light side, dark side, midi-chlorians, like all that good stuff. Um, the Holy Spirit has nothing to do with the Force. Right? The Holy, it's not like, oh, is the Holy Spirit like the Force in Star Wars? No. It's not at all the same thing. Right? So we're just going to put that over there. Um, okay, is the Holy Spirit um, our, um, our, our conscience? Okay, so this is actually a good question. So um, um, our conscience is essentially our, um, uh, where our morality comes from. So I'm going to actually add a, another term into this, which is soul. Okay? So we are actually souls. Every single person in this room is a soul, right? But we have flesh, so we are embodied souls. All right, so there's some teachings that say, and the reason I'm mentioning soul when it comes to conscience is because there's some like Eastern philosophies that will say that we are eter our conscience lives forever in eternity. So people that believe in reincarnation just believe you just get reincarnated and reincarnated and reincarnated. It's the same conscience for eternity, um, but that's not the Christian worldview. The Christian worldview is that we are we will live forever, but we were created. Our souls were created. So our, the spirit, the spirit comes, and we're going to see in a second, the spirit interacts with our soul. All right? So the Holy Spirit is not the force. The Holy Spirit is not um, our conscience. So we'll keep reading here in verse 16. So great question. Thank you for asking. Uh, verse 16. Um, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Right? So Jesus is, our, um, is sending our helper, right? Oftentimes we get this. We feel, like the disciples did, we feel so helpless at times, don't we not? We feel hopeless, right? Right now, many of us just have this situation and we're like, oof, I don't know what to do. I don't know what decision to make. I don't know where to go. I don't know who's going to comfort me. I don't know who's going to guide me. Right? I don't know. I, maybe I used to have somebody in my life that would just tell me what to do, and now even though the advice was mostly good, it still wasn't always perfect. I don't know if I want to consult them again. We just feel so lost, right? We, and we feel like we just don't know where to look for some answers, right? And God, the Father, sends the Spirit and calls him our helper. Another, another uh, word that could be used is comforter, right? Another word that could be used is an advocate. Do you guys know God himself as the Spirit is advocating for you. Isn't that incredible? Like God himself, sometimes we're just by ourselves in our room and we're like, we get real mopey. How do I know this? Because that's me, right? So I just get real mopey and I just sit and I'm like, oh, woe is me. My life is terrible. Like I know, like I have an amazing wife and like my life's actually pretty good. My friends are good. But man, life is terrible. I just get so mopey sometimes, right? And I feel like and nobody understands me, right? And I'm like, guys, get over yourself, bro. And emotions are real. We want to name them. But here's truth. Truth is we have God himself who's our advocate. God himself who's our comforter. God himself who is, um, who is helping us, which is incredible, right? So we're, we'll jump down to verse 17. Even the spirit of truth, who the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. 
All right, so here that Jesus is describing the Holy Spirit as the spirit of truth. We're going to come back to that here in a little bit. And he also says there's this thing going on where the world does not receive the Holy Spirit. Um, but for those of us that are in Christ, the Holy Spirit, um, he, we know him and he dwells in us and he is with us, right? So you, you maybe feel this to where perhaps you just started following Jesus and it's still kind of new. Right, so you're, you're taking steps, following Jesus. You're like, man, I don't really know about this Christian thing, but I just feel, I feel compelled to keep moving forward. I don't really know what's going on, but I just know that I need to just keep moving forward. And here's what happens. You, you have people in your life um, that think you're crazy, that just don't understand anything that's going on in your life. You're like, whoa, what happened? You, you changed, bro. Right? You change this. Like, I don't know what's going on. Your life is so different, and we don't like it. We've been talking, and we decided we don't like this new thing that's going on in your life. And that breaks our hearts. Why? Because we love them. We so want them to understand. We know that we're in the best spot we've ever been in in our life. We know that we just started getting plugged back in church. We know that we're trying to orchestrate our lives for Jesus. We know that we're trying to do what we know we need to do. And it breaks our heart that the people that we love, that we want to love us, just don't understand what's going on. It's because the world does not understand. The world cannot receive, right? If you're following Jesus, that means you have the Holy Spirit. And you just see the world in color. And people that see the world in black and white you just, if you see the world in color, there is no, we showed this video a few weeks ago. Um, there's just nothing you can do to describe what seeing the world is in color to somebody that can only see the world in black and white. And whenever you have the Holy Spirit, that's what it's like. You just see the world in color and you're just moving forward to this beautiful, new, colorful world um, that you now live in. All right, I had a, um, uh, so my wife and I recently, we just bought a house over the weekend, and it's, it's incredible, but I also experienced, like, day one, thank you for almost clapping, thank you. You don't have to. You don't have to. <laughs> you really, it's probably not, not a, no. Uh, so, so I already, like, day one, experienced the joys of home ownership, hence the um, air quotes and all the sarcasm in the world, right? We actually do are super happy about it, but, like, um, they already, like, there's already, like, I have to call contractors. I, had, I talked to four contractors yesterday just to trying to get things fixed up and some things we thought were going to be fixed. Um, one of the contractors, I actually was with him literally all day yesterday at our house. It was an electrician. Uh, whenever we bought the house, we had to replace an electrical panel. So he had to come over um, even before we moved in to try to replace the electrical panel. And there was the final thing that needed to happen that the breaker was breaking on our oven. And my wife cooks incredible food and we can't have that, right? And I wish I could cook and I'm trying, right? And I feel convicted. We'll talk about that later. Anyway, my wife's an amazing cook. So, um, so we, need, we need the oven to work. Um, so he's there, and he's having to, like, run, like, a new line, like, through the ceiling and, and drill it down. Um, so we're there, and we start, we start kind of talking a little bit, and then I didn't realize it was going to be an all-day thing. So I didn't really think about lunch plans. I, like, had missed some meetings that I'm here on campus that I um, um, needed to be at, but it was fine. So um, eventually it gets to, like, 2 o'clock. I come out of a Zoom meeting, um, and um, I asked him, hey, man, have you had lunch? And he's like, no. And I was like, okay, do you want lunch? He's like, oh, sure. He's like, well, you know, but that he does a polite thing. We're like, no, 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 I'm good, I'm good, even though, like, you know, like, you're super hungry. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I can, we can get you food. So, so we got some lunch, and now it's around 2.30. And um, so then, essentially, we just start having a one-on-one. -on -one. At my house, at my kitchen table, I'm like, 
God, this is, this is really cool. Like, I li- did not think that I would wake up to have a one-on-one at my kitchen table eating lunch with the electrician, <laughs> right? So as we're talking, we just start connecting because he, um, he had mentioned that he's on a journey, um, like many of us are here, on uh, emotional awareness, right? So he lived his life really unaware, and now he's trying to be a lot more aware in his life, right? And then my eyes kind of perked up, and his eyes kind of perked up when I told him that I, too, was also on a journey of emotional awareness and trying to figure out, like, what motivates me to do certain things and try to become more aware. Um, so we had talked about counseling, and it was a really cool conversation um, to where then he asks me, Isaac, like, what have you found helpful, though? What have you found the most helpful? Um, and I gave him two answers. Um, I was like, I'm going to give you two answers. The first answer I gave him was, man, just being still. I mean, you, when he came in, he saw me journaling, and I was journaling as he was there working in the morning. Um, she was like, oh, that's what you're doing? Oh, that's really cool. I journal. I was like, you journal? I journal, clearly. Like, we just had this really cool, like, we both journal moment. For guys, that's weird, because guys typically don't journal. So when you find another guy that journals, like, that's a cool thing. And the second thing I told him was, man, ultimately, though, I know that I'm never going to be good enough to try to get to where I want to be, right? I know that no amount of effort that I put in will ever bring me to a level of satisfaction. So that's where my faith comes in, right? And this is, I, I, t- I literally told him, hey, man, this is descriptive about me. I'm not putting this on you, but descriptively about me, just my faith is in Jesus Christ, and that's where my hope is. And nothing else that I try, I found has worked, the way, worked in the way that Jesus can bring me full satisfaction. And he says, cool, bro, and changes the subject, right? <laughs> Um, so, but then I asked him, um, hey, uh, what, 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 there, surely there had to be something about you that got you on this path of emotional awareness. Um, and he says, yeah, actually, I used to work out a lot. I mean, I still do. I work out a lot, and, like, that, I was just putting everything into working out, and I was depressed. And I would try harder and harder and harder, and it wasn't until, and I, and I didn't want to be like that anymore, and it wasn't until that I started this journey of, um, of emotional awareness and I actually got a new job. Like, I love, I used to work in banking. Now I'm an electrician. I love being an electrician. My plan is to start my own company one day. Um, so this is the, the path that I'm on, right? So, so then he, as he's saying that, he starts tearing up. I'm like, wow, the electrician is crying at my kitchen table. <laughs> this is, whoa, I don't, like, I don't know how to process this. Um, so, so we finished the conversation. He's like, good talk, bro. <laughs> In that conversation, I was, um, I was both discouraged and encouraged at the same time. I'll talk about the encouragement later, but I'm going to talk about how I felt initially. I thought, man, I'm so happy you're on this journey, but you're not going to be happy. And I didn't say this out loud to him. Like, I shared my piece of what I needed to say in that moment. I'm, I'm confident that we'll have another electrical problem. I'll create an electrical problem if we need to. I'll stick a fork in the, in the outlet just to get him to come over again. <laughs> don't, don't. <laughs> uh, but I was... Uh, um, I was, I was, I wanted, I wanted the same hope that I have in Jesus. I wanted that for him, and that, that didn't happen that day. But I also realized this text. We just... He, he doesn't have the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm hoping the Holy Spirit is working, but he currently does not have the Holy Spirit inside of him. There is no way, there is no amount of me trying to convince him to see the world like I see the world that's going to work. So I have to trust that the Holy Spirit is still working. I'll come back to that here a little later. Number two, question two. What does the Holy Spirit do? What does the Holy Spirit do? We're going to jump down to uh, John 16, verse 8, where it says, And when he comes... He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So the Holy Spirit does a lot of things. Um, One of the things that the Holy Spirit does is he brings conviction, 
right? Um, we had this really amazing question as well on Instagram. Um, what's the difference between conviction and guilt? All right. Okay, so conviction essentially is um, ex exposing something. That's an another word that we can use is exposing. Imagine that we have um, a carpet, and imagine this carpet has been on the ground for years and years and years, and there is like rat feces and mud, and I'm trying to make it as disgusting as possible. There is just, just gross under the carpet, and for many of us, we just live our lives that way where we're just okay that there's like this nasty garbage and we just try to deal with it and we're like, what's that smell? I'm like, that's ah, fine, it's just the carpet, don't worry about it, right? And but like there's like gross things under the carpet. So what the Holy Spirit does essentially is it empowers us to pull back the carpet and start dealing with the mess underneath. Where we're just, we're not okay with the brokenness and the muck and the sin that's in our lives. You want to start exposing it. So that essentially, that's conviction. Now, where guilt comes in is whenever we see the brokenness and we feel hopeless in the brokenness. That's guilt. There's no hope. There's no good news, right? We're, we're bad people, and we'll always be bad, and I just feel guilty and shame and guilt and shame, and there's no hope. What the Holy Spirit does is actually really cool, because not only does the Spirit bring conviction, the Spirit also, through the blood of Jesus, which we'll talk more about next week, um, brings purification, right? So it brings hope and healing in that conviction. So that's essentially what the verse is saying, um, where he says that the Spirit is going to, uh, he's going to convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Um, verse 13, but when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Right? So again, it describes the spirit as the spirit of truth. And here's what the spirit of truth is. The spirit is pointing to Jesus. Right? Jesus is truth. So the spirit essentially points us to, to the words of Jesus and the works of Jesus and everything that's true um, about the world. Right? So that's where I'm encouraged with the electrician. Because the electrician is on this path of awareness, right? Awareness uh, is a way to describe truth, right? So that seems like this electrician is on this path towards truth. And if, you're on a if you truly, truly, truly are on a path towards seeking truth, you're on a path towards Jesus. Because all truth leads to Jesus. It's when we start living in um, um, fantasy land. It's whenever we start living on, as we talked a few weeks ago, unaware island. That's whenever we're not going to be leading to Jesus. But I'm so convinced that the Spirit is working around his life if he truly is on a path toward Jesus. That's my hope. That's my prayer. Um, I'll know for sure whenever I stick a fork in the outlet, right? Which not to do. I won't do that. Okay. Okay. Uh, and then verse 14, um, he will glorify me. Jesus is talking about the Spirit. He will glorify me. Uh, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus, right? The Holy Spirit points everything to Jesus. The Holy Spirit helps us really consider the words of Jesus. The Holy Spirit helps us consider the works of Jesus, right? When we really are reading scripture and we're trying to illuminate, man, what did Jesus say? The Holy Spirit is there to help us really dig deep into our hearts what Jesus is saying. In the same way, as we're talking about, man, what are the things that Jesus did? The Holy Spirit is helping us figure out and process how we can integrate into our lives how we may live like Jesus. Here's the big idea, is the Holy Spirit helps us to live like Jesus. The Holy Spirit helps us to live like Jesus. Um, 
my suspicion, as we talked about earlier, the different, kind of, the different ways to think about it, um, some may think the Holy Spirit is an end unto himself, right? Where it's all about experience, it's all about experiencing the Holy Spirit, where that is the aim, that's the end. And Jesus is saying, that's not the purpose of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is to glorify me. The Holy Spirit is to point back to me. And at the same time, um, there are people that may, uh, may minimize the role of the Holy Spirit and may be like pretty okay with Jesus. Like, yeah, Jesus and I are good, but may think that it's in their own power that they're able to follow Jesus. So they don't really consider the Holy Spirit. They don't really think that we need the Holy Spirit and we need to experience the Holy Spirit and cultivate dwelling with the Holy Spirit in order that we may more fully follow Jesus. So the Holy Spirit helps us to live like Jesus. Okay, why does this matter? Um, I've shared this before. This matters because I love you guys. And I love Orlando. I've been here in Orlando for about three and a half years. And what I've noticed here in Orlando is that Orlando is the city beautiful. It's, there's also a lot of brokenness, right? I think I've shared this, I shared this a few weeks ago where um, I, as I get to know people more here in Orlando just realizing the amount of brokenness that's specifically in families. Right, so um, as we think through our families, for many of us, if not you, if you had an amazing family, turn to the person next to you. I bet you they did not, just the percentages here in the room. Um, many of us just come from really broken, just hurting families that cause a lot of um, hurt in us. So, so what do we do for people that if we don't deal with it, then we turn around and we have families and there's like a lot of brokenness there. And then a lot of brokenness, again, in generation after generation after generation, there's just brokenness, right, and hurt and devastation. So right now, that's the state of Orlando, is that when it comes to families, when it comes to hurt, when it comes to brokenness, man, there's just so much of it. Um, I think we have an opportunity, though. I think we have an opportunity to change things for God's glory and for your good, to where you don't have to be the parents that... Um, tried their best, but man, there are just some things you would just do very differently. You don't have to just receive the family script of anger. You don't have to receive that family script of abuse. You don't have to receive that family script of lust. You don't have to receive whatever was handed down to you from your family. Um, You don't have to keep passing that on for generations and generations. I actually think that Orlando could be a place where families are not broken, but families are actually whole, and there's healing, and there's redemption, this is my heart for you. This is my heart for all of us here. Um, you know, for many of us, most of us here are not married now, and um, some of us may never be married. So either if, if we stay single or if um, we get married, either way, it's completely um, God-glorifying. What I want is for us to be completely whole and for us to be completely human beings where we name our brokenness and we bring the beauty out of that. I think Orlando can be a place where we bring beauty out of the brokenness. I think your life can be a life where you can bring beauty out of the brokenness that you've experienced. But here's what it's going to take. The Holy Spirit. You are powerless to change anything in your life without the help of the Holy Spirit. You are powerless to follow Jesus without the help of the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit in the first place that came within you that even awakened your eyes to be able to follow Jesus. Man, I, I love you guys. and I, just, I, want this, I want this for you. Okay. Um, y'all making me cry. Okay. <laughs> so what, is it, what does it mean to be Christian? That's essentially what it means to be Christian, is your entire mindset and behaviors and desires are orchestrated around ch- to following Jesus. Being a Christian is not just attending the table. Being a Christian is not just going to a group. 
Being a Christian is not just being a good person. Being a Christian is not um, just, uh, just serving. Being a Christian is not doing things. Being a Christian um, is your, your mindset is completely and fundamentally changed to how you thought before, right? Your mindset is, is to be, exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, which we talked about this last week. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, right? That sounds incredible. I think Orlando can change. If we become people and keep taking steps for people, um, I love um, what Britt said is nobody here is perfect. Nobody here is perfect. But we can slowly take steps toward this fruit of the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control because the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us as our helper that's pointing us to Jesus so that we may live a life um, like Jesus. Okay, so as, as we're wrapping up here, um, there were some um, unanswered Instagram questions that I was not able to get to, but I want to talk with the team because I think what I want to try to do is try to answer these later and we'll post it later. But here's some of the questions that were amazing that we just don't have time to answer today. Um, can you be saved without the Holy Spirit? Can the Holy Spirit leave a person? What are the gifts of the Spirit? What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? And baptism of the Spirit, um, along with um, some others. If you want to add one, uh, text me. But here's how I want us to respond. I want us to be spirit-led people. Right? I want us to be spirit-led. I want us to be to recognize that we have the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit um, to sustain us um, and empower us to move forward to bring healing and restoration into this broken world. I want us to be spirit-led people. So question three. So how do we respond? The only way that I think I can think of is to pray. It's a natural response to being spirit-led. It's a natural response to, um, uh, to cultivating the spirit-led life um, toward Jesus. So we're actually going to do something um, that we've done it two years ago. We're going to do it again tonight, um, which is we're going to actually spend time right now um, praying together um, in small groups. Um, but to set us up, I'm gonna, I'll set it all up. Um, I want us to look at Ephesians 1, 16 through 18. It's here on your screen. Um, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. So I, um, I love how Paul kind of thinks through prayer. Um, and I want us, we can use this as a model for how we're going to pray um, right now. So just a couple things to highlight um, is... Um, it'll be here on your screen too, that the first thing that I want us to pray for is pray for yourself and the people in your group, right, that we're about to group up with, um, that you may be spirit-led um, to give you wisdom and have the hearts enlightened to who God is. So here's, here's how it's going to work. Uh, we're going to have background music going, so it's not just weirdly quiet, not being out of go, but we thought through that. Um, here's what I want to do. If you can, I want you to circle up with three to five people. Um, if you can, right now, um, we'll have music going, and you can take some time just to circle up and find your group um, of three to five people. Okay, so go. Go.